So what an incredible day. Like, well, what, what an incredible day that, that, that today is. Today, with literally millions of people around the world and hundreds and, of, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of churches around the world, we, are, we, we, we have gathered together to celebrate one of the greatest, or not one, but the greatest event that has ever taken place in the history of the world. We have, we have gathered together to celebrate Jesus. Three days after he was placed into a tomb, Three days later, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Jesus was not there. He had risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And because of that, because of that, we, we, we gather to celebrate. We gather to celebrate the, the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so before we move on any further, I just want to take an opportunity before I forget. Uh, next week, we are really launching this series that we're soft launching today called Blank Like Jesus. It's a subtle difference, but, but today we're, 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 we're kind of starting in on this, this series. And, but next week's really when we're getting after it, Blank Like Jesus. And over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to, to be and to love like Jesus did, and to live the way that Jesus lived. And so as we, as we begin that journey, today I want to help us with a question. We're going we're to start on this journey today. And so we're going to answer this question. It's a pretty simple question that probably is, is very easy for us all to answer. And so here's, here's, here's the question. What does it take to be made right with God? What does it take to be made right with God? What does it take? Today, if you ask that question today, you're going to get all sorts of answers. You're going to get all sorts of different, different responses, no matter, what, no matter what you believe, no, no, no matter what you think is right, I mean, no, no matter what your spiritual background is, when you ask that question, you're going to get all sorts of responses. And the reason is because we live in a very spiritual, pluralistic society. In other words, tolerance is a very high value. And it's very common today for people to believe things like all roads lead to God. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere or all religions really lead to the same place. And even within the church, even for us, like our response to that question sometimes varies more than it probably should as well. So what does it take? What does it take to be made right with God? It's probably no surprise to you, or at least I, I, I hope. I hope that it's no surprise to you that, that I am a follower of Jesus, which may not seem like a big deal for me to stand up here and say, but, but, but really, in today's society, in the world that we live in, as soon as you name drop Jesus, things get controversial, which is weird to me because almost nobody denies the actual existence of Jesus. No one denies the actual existence of Jesus. And for the most part, people generally don't dislike the things that he had to say. You're not going to find very many moral, normal people who, who, who when, when he said things like, uh, help the poor or, or um, love the overlooked, or forgive people. You're not going to find a lot of people that, that, that get all worked up and crazy over those things. So why, why then do we get so worked up and so wigged out about Jesus? And I believe that it's because of the exclusive claim of Jesus. We live in a very inclusive world. 
We live in a time where everyone's like, well, let's just make sure that everyone feels good or that everyone's happy and no one's going to be left out and all roads should lead to God. But Jesus totally opposes that mindset when he says things like, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's this exclusive claim of Jesus that is polarizing. In this very inclusive world of religious pluralism, Jesus says that he's it, that he's the way. And so today what I want us to do, I want just for a, a moment, just for a moment, I want us to recognize that even though, like, even though there may be some good things in some of these other religions, that they're not all the same, okay? That, 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 that's where we're going. And so we're going to look at a couple of world religions, and then we're going to look at Jesus. And so that's where we're kind of going. And so we're going to spend some time in this. And so the, the first thing that I want us to look at is Buddhism. Buddhists believe that there is no God or no type of final existence. A Buddhist is going to believe in countless rebirths and hope to eventually reach a life of nirvana where there is no individual ending the cycle. In Hinduism, a Hindu is going to believe in a God, but it's an impersonal God that you can only approach through deities or idols or statues. A Hindu will believe that life and death are only temporary. And and once one finds their true self, they will be liberated, ending the cycle of rebirths. And so these two, Buddhism and Hinduism, they, they, they offer no forgiveness. No forgiveness of sins, no supernatural help, only karma. Meaning that if you cut someone off on 95, you can guarantee that you're about to get cut off yourself. Because you deserve it. The third thing, Islam. A Muslim is going to worship a personal God, Allah. There is no secondary God, and there's a total ban on idols. And your standing with Allah is based on your religious good works and effort. Almost like you earn your salvation. And the fourth one, New Age. The New Age believes that there is no type of God. You can only hope to be one with the cosmos. And fifth, Christian. A follower of Jesus believes in a very personal God who loves his people so much that he became like them in the presence of Jesus, who lived without sin and died for the sins of the entire world on a cross, rose from the dead, and because of that gave people the opportunity to be made right with God. Not by going through deities, not not, not by walking through uh, religious performers or idols or things like that, but because of faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ alone. So today, let's just acknowledge for a moment that though, though there may be some good things in some of these religions, they're not, they're not all the same, right? We, let's just acknowledge this. And so for today, for the next few moments, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to consider Jesus. Just consider Jesus. Regardless of your your background, regardless of of your spiritual knowledge, just consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to to consider River Club Church. And I'm I'm, I'm not asking you to consider Christians, because if we're all honest, there are a lot of really weird Christians that are out there, right? And so don't consider them. And I'm not asking you to consider me, because tragically I'll let you down. Thank you. And so I'm not asking you to consider me because I'll let you down. 
So today, just consider Jesus. Consider who he claimed to be. Consider what he said, what, what, the things that he talked about. Consider the things that he did. And consider the fact that he came for people like me. So today, we're going to look at a few different aspects of the life of Jesus. And, and we're, we're, we're going to look at three different pieces of Jesus. And that really all that I'm asking is just for you to consider Jesus. That's it. All right. So the first thing, consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, there's this really, really inter- interesting conversation. Um, and Jesus essentially is telling us why he came. He's, 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 he's telling a, a group of religious people why he's here. And the, the religious leader, they, they see Jesus eating with a bunch of notorious sinners and tax collectors. And so they ask Jesus' disciples, they're, they're like, why is he doing this? And so we see in chapter 2 of Mark, It says, when the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're essentially saying, why does someone who is religious hang out with people like that? And then he goes on and says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I love this with all that I have within me. I love this because Jesus didn't come here for people who have it all together. Jesus came for the broken. He came for people like me who need help, who need mercy, and who need grace. Jesus actually came for those that religion had rejected. He loved the people that everyone else despised. And he greeted with outstretched arms those that people have turned away. Jesus did not come for the perfect. And so today, if, if, if you are perfect, continue to shine your halo and just recognize the fact, just recognize the fact that Jesus came for people like me. And not only did Jesus come for sinners, but when you look at everything that Jesus did, when you, when, when you, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, like you're going to be blown away. Like when you think about like by the power of God, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. By the power of God, Jesus restored hearing. By the power of God, he called the deaf or the, the, the mute to speak. He raised people from the dead. Jesus fed thousands of people with a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. By the power of God, he cast out demons. And for his first miracle, he turned a crazy amount of water into a crazy amount of wine. And what's so funny to me is that of all the miracles of Jesus, none of his detractors, none of the people that opposed him, none of them debated the validity of the miracles. Because they could see them. They just wanted him to stop. So, consider Jesus. And consider the ministry of Jesus. And the crazy part is that you're a direct result of this ministry of Jesus. You are a direct result of that. Like, the fact that you're sitting in this room today is, the, is a miracle. and can only be said, like, because of the ministry of Jesus. And I, if, we had, if we had the time... 
we could say like story after story after story of people that would, that would be able to stand up here and say like, I once was like this. And now because of Jesus, I'm like this. This is who I was. And now because of Jesus, this is who I am. There's a man in our church named Greg, Greg Traber, a great friend of mine. And I heard his story recently, and, and like his story from a very early age, he was, he, he was, early age, he was using alcohol and drugs. In high school, he was addicted to cocaine. And the addiction didn't get any better when he enlisted into the military. It actually got worse. But after his time in the Navy, and, and, and when he we came back home and he got engaged to his now wife, Penny, while he was engaged and married, he continued to use, trying to keep all of this stuff a secret from his friends and from his family. And so he had been married for 11 years when something just didn't seem right. And his family, they had an intervention. And there in that, in, in that room, he shared with his family everything. And so after the inv- intervention, there was, a, there was a, a little bit of time where he was left to himself. And Greg says that he, get, he got down on his knees and he started to pray. And he said, God, if you are who my family says you are, and if you love me the way that they say you love me, I need you to take care of this. I need, I need you to take this away. And my friend Greg, like he's still to, to this day, as he's sharing this story, his eyes will fill up with tears, and you can see the chills all over his body. And he says, it is only because of Jesus that I'm different. From that prayer, that moment, he has never had a single craving. He never went through a single withdrawal or anything like that, which that in and of itself is a medical mystery with as much as he was using. But he never had a single withdrawal and never had a single relapse. And today, today Greg is a certified substance abuse counselor for Mary Washington Healthcare at Snowden. He works in the intensive outpatient program, the same program that saved his life and his marriage. And he'll be the first to tell you that it is because of the glory of Jesus. And I too, I too stand before you as someone who used to be like this, but now I'm different. I stand before you as someone who, who, who's walking this line. And now I'm here and it is all because of Jesus. So consider the ministry of Jesus. The second thing, consider the resurrection of Jesus. Why does the resurrection really matter? Well, Jesus, born, born of a virgin, he did, he did not inherit the, the, the sin nature of an earthly father. Actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, He made the one who did not sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus lived a perfect life, and on the cross, he became sin for you and for me. He suffered horribly. And while creation mocked its creator, he was spit on, he was beaten beyond recognition. And there on the cross, 
he cried out. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. What kind of grace is that? What kind of grace is that from a cross? What kind of love is that? Jesus cries out in victory. He says, it is finished. And he breathed his last. He died. The earth went dark. The ground began to shake. And a Roman centurion that was standing there in, in, in Mark says, surely this man was the son of God. So they laid Jesus in a borrowed tomb. But he did not stay there. And just as Jesus predicted, three days later, the women went to the tomb where he was buried and they found the stone that was moved away and the grave was empty. And Peter, who had just denied Jesus three times, like this just took place. Peter was now completely transformed because of the empty tomb. Like it changed everything. And he began, he, he, he preached until he was crucified on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter tells a group of, of, of these religious leaders in Acts chapter 3, it says, you killed the source of life who God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. He says, you tried to kill the author of life, but he's not dead. He is risen from the dead. And the key to the statement is we are witnesses of this. We've seen him. We have witnessed that this tomb, this grave is empty. And that's why these men were willing to give up their lives for Jesus. They saw the power of the resurrection. No one would die for a lie like this. These men died horrific deaths and none of them would have died for a lie. They died because they saw him. The, The empty tomb changed everything for these men. And when people start saying like, well, the Romans... They, they probably took his body. I imagine that those Roman soldiers would have loved nothing more than pro- producing a body. I imagine that they would have loved to have said, no, no, he, he didn't actually rise from the dead. See, here's his body right here. Or then other people say that, that the, the, the disciples, they came, the, the 11 disciples, they, they, they just walked up and they overpowered this group of trained um, soldiers and then they moved this massive stone out of the way. Like they probably did that and then they, 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 they kept it, all of this a secret at great risk to themselves and then they encouraged the world to be a better place. That's probably likely also. But then you, if, if the, let's say that's what happened, like let's say that's actually what took place, then you, then you would have the account of, the, of these Roman soldiers that said, no, these, these 11 dudes, they overpowered us, they beat us up, but, but there's none of that either. So the only response is that maybe it was true. And 10 of the 11 remaining disciples, they died the death of a martyr. John died an old man on the Isle of Patmos old and alone. And Thomas, the doubter, Thomas took the the gospel to India. And he was actually speared in the side by a Hindu priest for converting too many people. They said to him, they're like, deny your faith and we'll let you live or stand by Jesus and we're going to kill you. And he says, I can, I will never deny the one who died and rose again for me. And so he was speared in the side. The resurrection 
changes everything. And the early church was born. 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ in one day. And now 2,000 years later, there are millions of people who claim the name of Jesus in hundreds and thousands of churches that are gathering right now in this moment because of the empty tomb. So often we get, we, we get so stuck on the cross, and while the cross is good, and it, 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 it's a part of it, my, 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 sins, my sins were not totally forgiven on the cross. Sure, like, sure, the cross is huge. But Jesus didn't conquer my sin, or he didn't just conquer my sins on the cross. He overcame the world by stepping out of the grave. The resurrection changes everything. And finally... I want us to consider the eternal message of Jesus. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. How are we made right with God? How are we made right with God? Romans 3, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. I love that. No matter who we are. Notice what it's not saying. It's, it, it, it's not saying that, that we're made right by being good enough. It's not saying that, that we're made right by not being bad. It's not saying that we're made right by giving enough money to this church or to this organization or to whatever. Like, like we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is true for everyone. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this piece today because it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how messed up your life is right now. It doesn't matter who you've hurt. And it doesn't matter how many times you've failed. You were made right with God. Not by being good. But because he is good. Jesus took the penalty of our sin and he paid it on the pro he paid the price on the cross. And you were made right by putting your faith in Jesus. And that's the difference between a religion and a relationship. Jesus didn't come to start another religion. He came to offer us eternal life. Jesus didn't come to start another religion. He came to show us the love of the Father. Religion is about how you perform. A relationship is about how Jesus performed. Religion says if you work hard enough. This relationship says because of what Jesus did, I want to listen. I want to obey. Religion is about what you do. A relationship is about what he did. Matthew 11. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me, and you will recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How good is that? How good does that sound? Because the reality is I'm tired of religion too. I'm burned out on religion too. But I thank God that Jesus came not to start a religion, but Jesus came because God wants a relationship with me. And God wants a relationship with you. I thank God for this reckless love and for the simplicity of his message. This week, Maggie, my three-year-old, she comes, I don't have any idea. I was talking with Laura about it. I'm like, where did it come from? Maggie comes up to me with, and she says, Daddy, I love Jesus this much. She stretches as big as she can. She says, Daddy, how, how much does Jesus love me? I said, Maggie, Jesus loves you this much. Jesus loves you this much, Maggie. That's true for you. Consider the eternal message of God. Consider Jesus. The truth is it doesn't matter how much you believe or how little you believe. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. Because God's love isn't dependent upon you. God's love is dependent upon Jesus. And Jesus loves you this much. Don't miss this today. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss what God is doing. So here's where I stand. If there is a man who claims to be the son of God and he says that he is the only way to the father, but he eats with the broken. He welcomes the rejected. He feeds the poor. And he challenges the righteous and the proud. And then he predicts his death and his resurrection. And he does it. I'm going with that guy. I choose Jesus because that guy came for a sinner like me. That guy came for the broken like me. I choose him. And it is because of what he did that my only logical response is Jesus, take everything. I give you everything. That is my only logical response. For some of you today, you came here and you're not really sure what it was that you were looking for or what, why you were here. Maybe you were dragged here or tricked into coming. But I believe that you were here for a purpose. I believe that it is not a coincidence or an accident that you were here in this room in this moment. I believe that God has something for you. 
just hope that you have considered Jesus. Not this church, not Christians, not me. I just hope that you have considered Jesus, pure and simple. And you're looking at, at this whole thing and you're, 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 you're saying, because of who you are, Jesus, because of what you've done, be, because of the things that you're about, because I believe that you came for someone like me, I choose you. Some of you in this room have been in church for a very long time. And maybe this isn't your first Easter. Maybe this isn't your first Easter Sunday service or anything like that. But, but for many of you, you're, you're, it's been a religion. It's not been a relationship. It's, a been, it's, 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 it's been this constant vicious cycle of what can you do to earn, try to earn God's favor. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what he did. So if you want to be made right with Jesus, you put your faith in him. So for some of you that have been here, it's been just a head thing. Today, let's make it a heart thing. Let's make it a heart thing. Let's make it a relationship. And make him Lord of your life. Being made right with God isn't about losing your freedoms. It's about stepping into the the freedom that you never dreamt possible. And as churches, like we've we've done a pretty bad job at this, and I, I apologize. But we 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 we've done this. You have to walk through these steps or jump through these hoops or say these certain things and then that, 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 that's how you become a, a, in a relationship with Jesus and it's not about that because then that too makes it about you but it's about Jesus and so today in this moment in, in, in the, the space that you're sitting in I just want all of you to just to close your eyes close your eyes and I want you to evaluate and examine where you are where, where is Jesus? Is he still in your head? Is, is, is he not even there yet? Where is Jesus? If you've never put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this. Maybe God is stirring something deep within you, deep inside of you, and you're like, Ryan, I've just walked through these motions for far too long, and I need to make this real. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want, on the count of three, I want you just to slip your hand up. So that way our prayer team can be praying over you we, and we can celebrate you. So if that's you, if you want to put your faith in God, raise your hand. One, two, three. Some of you maybe in this in this space, God has just been a religion. I challenge you to turn your heart and your mind back towards Him today. You pray with me. Father God, I praise you for who you are. And I praise you for what you're about. 
God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came for people like me, who came for the broken, for the lost, for sinners. Not to tell us how bad we are, but to tell you, tell us how good you are. God, I pray for this church and I pray for the things that you're doing and I pray for the people that are here today and the ways that you're moving. And, and God, I pray that you would be very, 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 very real to us. I pray that there would be this, this, this movement that is happening inside of us to where the world around us says there's something different and you say, yeah, his name's Jesus. God, I pray the world would take notice and that we would give you the glory. It's in your matchless name we pray.